Hello, Parkview. My name is Tim Sutherland. I'm one of the guys that speaks here from time to time. I'm really glad you're here this morning, and I hope uh, by the time we're done, you'll be glad as well. To get us started, let's work on something together. Think with me about something, okay? Think with me about your most difficult, saddest goodbye that you've ever had to say. Your most difficult, saddest goodbye you ever had to say. I realize that's not exactly the most upbeat start to a Christmas message, right? Merry Christmas, everybody. But just work with me. There's a point. There's a point. It might have been when a a family member or a close friend was moving away. It might have been when a boyfriend or a girlfriend was going away for a time, maybe maybe for the summer. It might have been when you saw Jay Cutler break his thumb. And you had to say goodbye for the rest of the season. Um, what? Just, just work with me, okay? Once you've got your, your your most difficult goodbye that you've ever had to say, once you've got it sort of locked in your brain, just give me a little head nod so I know you're with me. Anybody? You got yours over here, okay? Give me a little head nod, okay? You got it? How about up there? You got one? Are you working with me? You got one here in the center? Little head nod if if you if you got okay 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 hold on to that we're in this series called Christmas the Untold Story and you know we can always go oh man I know that story everybody knows Christmas story you know everybody's seen the Charlie Brown Christmas special when Linus comes out on stage and and says his piece in the spot in the spotlight there which is actually quoting from Luke chapter two we think we know the whole thing you know the shepherds and the angels and the baby born in manger and the wise men. But as we've talked about in this series, you, you don't really know a story until you know all the backstory. Here's a quick recap. This is week three of the series. In week one of the series, we talked about how Christmas is actually a war story. A war story. That, that, that Jesus is, is, is a, is a one-man invasion force in the ongoing battle between God and the forces of evil and darkness over the over the hearts and souls and minds of every single person on the planet. And Tim Harlow encur- encouraged you to, to put a little plastic red dragon in your nativity scene. Put that in your nativity scene. To put that in your nativity scene as a reminder that Christmas is a war story. How many actually did that? Okay, three. Okay. <laughs> Got to start somewhere. Then that, so Christmas is a war story. We, worked, we learned in week two that Christmas is also, though, a political story. That, that Jesus' middle name is not really H. His name is not Jesus H. Christ. It's Jesus politically incorrect Christ. Because the Christmas story is for people who are marginalized. People who are on the outside looking in. People who are looked down on. People who are the disenfranchised. People who are not part of the mainstream, necessarily. And he encouraged you to put maybe like a, some sort of big old tough guy tattoo on the arm of one of your shepherds in your nativity scene. And he encouraged you to put some, maybe some little tarot cards in the hands of the wise men because they were, you know, astronomers, astrologers, horoscope, all that stuff. And it was a reminder that, you know, that even Mary, I mean, she's a, she's a teenage unwed 
mother. She's a teenage girl. And uh, Tim encouraged you to put a little Justin Bieber poster on the wall of the stable because of that. I would have never thought of that. I'm trying real hard to stop thinking of that. But Christmas is a political story. And today we're talking about how Christmas is a love story. And I know as soon as I say love story, we think couples. For instance, I'm going to show you a picture of a famous couple, tell you who they are, and then you tell me what, what they're from, okay? Here's the first one. Give me the first one. This is Romeo and Juliet from Shakespeare's play. That one's really easy, I promise. <laughs> it's not a trick question. This is Romeo and Juliet from who to thunk it? Romeo and Juliet. That's that's the first one. All right, give me the next one. This is uh, Jack and Rose from the movie. Okay, all right, more our speed. But man, you cannot talk about the great couples, you know, the, the intense, enduring, romantic love of the ages if you do not talk about... <laughs> Joni and Chachi... From the TV show. Oh, that's a trick question, though. Yeah, because, see, they, they, they met and fell in love on Happy Days, but their love was so strong that they had to give them their own show. Joni loves Chachi. So uh, we tend to think couples when we think of romantic love, of, of love, of a love story. We think of romantic love, but think about it. There's other great love stories. There's other stories of deep bonds between people. How about this one? Seriously, though. Marlon Brando, Al Pacino, father and son, right? The Godfather. How about, this is kind of an older one. How many remember the movie, uh, A River Runs Through It? How many remember that movie? Yeah, Tom Skerritt plays the father and Brad Pitt plays the more troubled of the, of, the, of the two sons. It's a love story between a father and a son. And, and you can't talk about father-son love stories. Again, the, 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 just the, the pinnacle of the father-son love story. Right? Wow. The inten- can't you, you can just see the intensity of their devotion there. See, to really understand that Christmas is a love story, we have to understand that there's this backstory of love between a father and a son. The father and the son. And to understand what I'm talking about today, what we're trying to let in today, we have to dive into some pretty deep theological waters. So let's all put on our theological scuba gear, your spiritual mask and snorkel, and here we go. The Bible says this thing in John 1, 1. The Bible says, In the beginning was the One who was called the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. And this is, this is a tough one because when it says in the beginning, it doesn't mean like at the beginning. It means before the beginning, before there was anything, including time, before there was anything except 
God. And it goes on to make sure that we know that the Word who was with God and who was God is Jesus who dwelt among us. So before, I mean, I know it's difficult to comprehend and it's kind of mind-blowing, but before there's anything, there's a Father and there's a Son. Jesus talked about it. John 17, 24, Jesus said it. This is one that you don't hear that often. Jesus said to the Father, He said, You loved me before the creation of the world. Oh, here's the beginning of the backstory. Before there was anything, there was always this, there always was, there always has been, there always will be the, the, this deep, just, man, they, they, they're, they're, they're tight. They're close. The Father and the Son. And they, they're, they're closer and their love is stronger than anything any of us have ever known in a human relationship. But we do get tastes of it. We do get tastes. That's why I asked you to think about your most difficult, saddest goodbye. I wasn't trying to bring you down. I was just trying to help you get a taste. For me, my most difficult, saddest goodbye was August two years back. August two years back, we loaded up my 11-year-old Ford Taurus with the driver's side mirror duct taped on because I clipped it off on the drive-thru at the McDonald's. We loaded the car up with my oldest boy's stuff, all his guitars, all his gear, all his clothes packed in suitcases put him in the car, and headed off for California where he was fixing to start college. And man, we had a great time driving out together. I mean, we saw great scenes. We saw great sights. You know, the world's largest ball of twine is just incredible. We, we stayed with good friends. We ate incredible amounts of drive through junk food at all hours of the night. It was great. But as we got closer and closer to California... A lump started to form in my throat because I knew what was coming. I, I knew I was going to have to drive onto that college campus, drop off my boy's stuff, his suitcases, and say goodbye. And so you got to understand, a lot of y'all who know me know this, there's some important backstory. Uh, my son's mother left when he was six. Actually, she left me. She didn't leave him, but she left me when he was six. And we'd been, he and I had been like that. And he told me that uh, he wasn't going 2,000 miles away. He, sa- he said, he said I- I'm not just starting college, Dad. I- I- I'm getting as far away from the divorce as I possibly can. And um, I'm, not starting, I'm not just starting college. I- I'm moving I'm not, I'm not coming back. I, and, he, and he said, I hope you'll understand. And there's not one single piece of anything my son, none of his belongings are, are, are in my home anymore. I knew what was coming. I was going to have to drop my boy off 2,000 miles away and say goodbye. 
And man, on that trip, we talked about a lot of things on the way out. We talked about everything, but I was, I was, there was this one thing we did not talk about. There was one thing we did not discuss, and that was how hard it was going to be to say goodbye. I was thinking about it. I, I don't know what he was thinking. He, he was 18 at the time. He was probably just thinking, I'm going to California. I hope the girls are as cool as everybody says. I wish they all could be cow. You know, that's probably what's going through his mind. What's going through my mind is I'm going to have to hug this boy of mine and say goodbye. So we get to his college and we do all the, you know, parent, new student orientation stuff. And we carry all this stuff up the dorm, those last suitcases. And then it was time, and by now the lump in my throat is like a 16-pound bowling ball. And we're standing there in the parking lot of his dorm, I'll never forget it, and I'm thinking to myself, how long is this goodbye supposed to last? You know, you, you don't want to start your son as a, be known as the freshman with the extra dweeby kind of cling-on of a dad. You know, so I, so I, so I, I just wrap my arms around him for a quick three-count. Oh, Mississippi, two Mississippi, three Mississippi. And uh, bumped fists and got in the car, drove away. Didn't cry. Till about 100 yards down the road, then I cried like a baby. <laughs> Work with me. The, the love between the father and the son before that first Christmas, we get tastes of it. Christmas is a love story. Because Jesus and His heavenly Father, for there to be a Christmas, Jesus and His heavenly Father had to say goodbye. And Jesus leaves heaven for Bethlehem. The Bible puts it this way in Galatians 4.4, When the fullness of time came, the Father sent forth His Son, born of a woman. What it's saying is before it was time for Mary to have her son, it was time... For the Father to say goodbye to His. This verse isn't on the screen, but in, in Philippians chapter 2, it talks about Jesus becoming human. And it says that He emptied Himself. And this is a, 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 a thing that uh, scholars and theologians go round and round about. It. It, it's called the doctrine of kenosis. The kenosis. Somebody say kenosis. Kenosis. And kenosis means emptying. And, you know, and theologians argue out, you know, well, well, what is it that Jesus emptied himself of to become fully human? Because he is fully God. And he doesn't cease becoming fully God to become fully human. I'll tell you what I think part of the kenosis means. I think part of it means that for Jesus to become a finite, mortal human being, I think he had to leave the Father's side and say goodbye. Now, when I said goodbye to my son, sure, there was, you know, cell phones and there was emails and texting and all of that, but, 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 but that I couldn't see his face on a daily basis anymore. Skype doesn't really count that I couldn't see his face on a daily basis anymore, that I couldn't go out and, you know, kick the soccer ball around in the front yard with him anymore. Man, a lot of y'all, I know a lot of y'all are parents and, and, and know exactly what I'm talking about, that I just couldn't see him anymore on a daily basis. 
was hard and still is. Think about it. I know you got a lot on your plate today, but think about it. For Jesus to become a human being, the Son had to leave the Father's side. That goodbye had to be painful. Just painful beyond human comprehension. As I was working on this message, I heard a story on the National Public Radio. And it's a true story. And until recently, it was an untold story uh, from World War II. Any World War II buffs in the house? Zero. Okay, um, work with me. Uh, it's a true story of, of, of a guy by the name of Vitold Poletsky. Vitold Poletsky. It's a story that had been suppressed and kept secret by the Soviet Union after they invaded Europe. But, but back when the Nazis first invaded Poland. Poletsky was a member of the Polish resistance fighters, and he did a very strange and courageous thing. He volunteered to have himself arrested. He volunteered to have himself arrested by the Nazis, and he did that because he knew that if he was arrested, he would be taken to a particular place. He knew that he would be imprisoned in a place called Auschwitz. How many of you heard of Auschwitz? Yeah. You don't have to be a World War II history buff, right? To know about Auschwitz, the horrors of, it's a name that's synonymous with the horrors of the death camps, the concentration camps. But see, at this point in Poletsky's uh, story, at, in, 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 in world history, nobody knew what was going on in Auschwitz. Because the Nazis said it was just a, 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 a POW camp, you know, like Hogan's Heroes and Stalag 13. But there were rumors, secondhand reports, that there was a lot more going on there. Dark things. So Vitol Polesky volunteered to have himself arrested so he could be sent to Auschwitz so the world could know firsthand the truth about what was going on there. And for two and a half years, this is a true story, for two and a half years he lived and suffered among the imprisoned Jews and Poles and Russians living in the horrors of Auschwitz. He found that thousands upon thousands of innocent civilians were being tortured and massacred in the gas chambers and their bodies disposed of in the ovens. And, and what he did is he, is he wrote it down and he documented it from the inside and he smuggled it out in the, ironically, the dirty laundry of the officers of the death camp as it was sent out each week to be done. Poletsky was the very first to get that information out of Auschwitz. And to get the information out, he had to go in. And NPR said this, and this part, man, when I was here, I was like, man, this is an incredible story. Then it said, and I quote, Having a beautiful wife and two kids he loved dearly, he decided to leave them behind and go to Auschwitz. I heard that, and I thought, I hope you, maybe you're thinking what I thought. I heard that, and I, and I thought, Oh my goodness, oh my word, that goodbye. What would it be like to say goodbye to, to your wife and, 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 your, and, and, and your two small children? Where are you going, Daddy? Oh, I'm going away. Are you, are you coming back? Um, don't know. Do you have to go? 
Well, it's complicated, but I am going on my own free will. Can you even imagine that goodbye? Whoa. Friends, please don't misunderstand me when I say this. Life can be wonderful. Life can be sweet. Life can be beautiful. But everybody here knows we live in a messed up world. Is there anybody here this morning who would say, the world is not messed up. It's just fine, exactly the way it is. Nothing's wrong. All is right. You know, is there anybody here in this house today who would say the world is not messed up? Ours is a sin-sick planet ridden with suffering and sorrow and pain. And though nobody knows on earth exactly what heaven's like, we're assured what's not there. It says in the book of Revelation that there, that in heaven He will wipe every tear from our eyes and there will be no more death and no more crying and no more pain. And I don't know what you're going through this Christmas. I don't know what you're going through. But I promise you, if you are sick, if your body is not well, if, if you are in Christ... You will not be sick forever. Healing will come. If you are heartbroken or lonely this Christmas and you are in Christ, I promise you, you will not be heartbroken and lonely forever. If you are depressed or anxious or stressed, I promise you that if you are in Christ, you will not be depressed or anxious, or stressed forever. I wonder if I can get any help in this house. Can I get a witness? Whatever you're going through, whatever you're going through this morning, whatever you're going through, it will not be forever. I've struggled with uh, clinical depression and anxiety off and on for 30 years. And uh, done everything, just about everything known to to try and uh, uh, be rid of that. And um, doesn't always doesn't always come on me this time of year. But I'd be less than honest if I didn't say it's kicking my butt this year. But you know, one of the ways I hold on, one of the ways, one of the ways I make I make it through. It's just one. One of the ways I make it through is to remind myself to let God's Holy Spirit remind me. Say to me, you will, Tim, you will not always have this problem. You may get healed in this life or you may not, but you will not forever feel like this. And the Holy Spirit says to me, hold on for heaven, Tim. Hold on for heaven. And I know it's hard, and I know to some folks, maybe this sounds like some sort of just spiritualistic, you know, pablum, some sort of pie in the sky, by and by, when we die sort of thing. But to me, it's the truth. It is the truth. And the Bible says the truth is going to set you free. And sometimes the truth sets you free just for today. And the freedom comes just in this, that, that, that what you're going through is not going to last forever. In heaven, there's no more crying and no more pain and no more tears. And please don't miss this. That heaven that is no more crying and no more pain and no more tears, that's the heaven that Jesus said goodbye to, to come to earth. 
And even the most beautiful moment on earth has to be a kind of Auschwitz compared to the one who had known the wonders of being by the Father's side from all eternity. And they said goodbye. At the end of that NPR story, they were talking about how virtually unexplainable it was that Poletsky would volunteer to go to Auschwitz. But then the actor who was studying his life in depth so he could portray him in an upcoming film explained it this way, and I quote, Human beings were the most precious thing for Poletsky, especially those who were oppressed. He would do anything to liberate them, to help them. That's why he said goodbye to his wife and children. Because human beings, especially the oppressed, were the most precious thing to him. Seventy some odd years ago in war-torn Poland, a resistance fighter said goodbye to his family. Knowing where he was going would most likely cost him his life. And two thousand some odd years ago, a son said goodbye to his father. And a father to his son, both of them knowing for sure it would cost him his. You know, we've all heard about the, the wise men bringing the three gifts to Jesus. You know, gold, frankincense, and myrrh. Or as one little boy said in Sunday school, gold, Frankenstein, and myrrh. God's a, God is, uh, gold is a gift for a king. Frankenstein, I mean, frankincense, careful, is a kind of incense that's used in religious worship to God at that time in that culture. And myrrh, if you ever wonder what myrrh was, myrrh was this sweet-smelling plant extract that was very rare, and it was used to embalm bodies for burial. Myrrh was a gift for somebody who was born to die. So here it is. Here is the love story that is Christmas. When the father and son said goodbye before that very first Christmas, they not only knew that the baby born in a manger, they not only knew it would cost them some of the closeness that they'd enjoyed since before the world began, they knew they wouldn't see each other's face again face to face until Jesus had died a a, a gruesome and awful death. And please, please don't cop out on me on this spiritually and say, oh yeah, but you know, but the Father's God and Jesus is God and they know everything and they know that He's going to rise again and return to heaven and everything's going to be okay. Come on, give me a break. Any dads in this house who are willing to see their son tortured to death because you know, and and it's not a big deal because they're going to go to heaven. There's a lot of people I love at this church. I've known some folks at this church for 20 plus years. And, and, and there are people at this church that I would throw myself in front of a bus for. There's folks here I'd take a bullet for. But there's not a one. No offense. That I'd give up either my boys for. He's his father. He's his dad. See, I think... We think that Christmas is this time you're supposed to come to church and feel all warm and fuzzy because, you know, baby Jesus, cute little baby Jesus is born. And then 
sometime around Good Friday and before Easter, you're supposed to go to church and, you know, be real sorry for your sins that put Him on the cross and, and be real sorry for the, the suffering that Jesus went through on the cross. But don't miss this. The road to Calvary, the road to the cross, in earthly terms, begins in Bethlehem. His suffering didn't start Easter week, Holy Week. His suffering started when He left the Father's side. And here is the love story of Christmas. It was for the love of you. It was for the love of you. It was for the love of me that He left His Father's side for the Auschwitzness of earth, for the love of you and me. They said goodbye. Christmas is a love story. The, the story of a God who so loved the world that He gave His only Son that whoever, whoever would believe in Him, and don't get this wrong now, don't, don't buy into the idea that belief is just what you hold to be intellectually true. Believe does not mean in, in intellectual assent biblically. Believe means what have you committed your life to? Whose, whose hands have you put your life in that says, you are my hope? You are my salvation. I need your forgiveness. Without it, I'm lost. I need you, Jesus. I need you like I need that more than I need the air that I breathe. That's what it means to believe. That whosoever would believe in Him would never have perishing in their life, ultimately, but everlasting life. And it doesn't really matter whether we can comprehend and plumb the depths of the Father, Son, aspect of the Trinity from all eternity, I'm sure we can't. What matters is that we know that Christmas means that a father and a son who both loved a sin-sick, lost in darkness, messed up death camp of a world, said the most painful goodbye that's ever been said. So I want to encourage you to get, get a little suitcase. Just get you a little, like, dollhouse-sized suitcase and put it in your nativity scene. So that you never forget that they said goodbye. That a father and son said goodbye for the love of you. And we all know the truth. The truth is the greatest stories, the greatest love stories are not just stories of love given, but of love received and reciprocated. And make no mistake about it, we are on the end of this one. We are on the receiving end of this love story. And the one thing I've learned about pain is that, is that pain and joy can exist within the same space. Your pain doesn't have to go for joy to come. Rejoice. Rejoice. Emmanuel, God is with us. For unto you is born a Savior who is Christ the Lord. And for the love of you that father, that son, said goodbye. Let's pray.
Father, in your word it says to weep with those who weep and rejoice with those who rejoice. For anybody who's weeping in this house today, for anybody who's hurting, help us know. It will not be forever. Help us know that joy and pain can inhabit the same space. And for people who are juiced this Christmas and just life's going great and they're feeling great, yeah, we rejoice with them. We thank you. We bless you. For those who are happy about the circumstances of their life right now, that's all right. But restore to us the joy of your salvation. And for anyone here who's not received it, help us to receive you today in Jesus' name. In the name of the Son who said goodbye for us. And in His name, everybody said...